So last week, uh, at our first conference service, we kicked off a brand new series simply titled Rest, talking about the rest and the peace that God wants you to experience in every single area of your life. Uh, we started off last week, I told, I told some funny stories about times that I was very tired and how when we're really tired it can affect our decision making and uh, yeah, it can make us do things that we would not normally do if we were fully alert and awake. And Jackie reminded me uh, of a story. She said, hey, you ought to tell, you ought to tell this one uh, next week. I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, the other one's reflected poorly on me. This one uh, is more so hers, but she told me to tell it, so that, that's where we're at. Um, there was, <laughs> when Jackie and I uh, first started dating in college, um, she, she, She's busy now, you know, she, we're, we're, we're of course busy now. We've got three kids, they're in all kinds of activities. We're going, 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 life's busy. Uh, but she was also very busy then, uh, was a, uh, a student athlete, and you know, of course school schedule, all those other kind of things, going, 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 not getting enough rest. Um, very tired, you guys know the student life. Uh, and there was a time that we were supposed to hang out, right? Uh, I, think, I think we just started dating, hadn't been dating that long, uh, and we were supposed to hang out, get something to eat before I had to go to work that afternoon, right? So classes were done, we we're gonna hang out for like an hour or so, go, go get a bite to eat, like at the cafeteria or the Tiger Den or something, uh, and then, and then uh, I was gonna go to work. Uh, she said, hey, I need to go up to my room real quick, go up to my dorm room real quick before we go do that. I don't know if she needed to put her backpack down or wanted to, I don't know what. She just needed to go up to her room. I said, hey, that's no problem. I'll hang out in the lobby. You go up to your room. I'll see you in like 10 seconds, and then we'll go eat. I'm ready to eat. We're going to do this thing. We're going to hang out for a little bit before I have to go to work, right? Jackie goes up the stairs or the elevator uh, up to her dorm room, and one minute goes by, five minutes go by, ten minutes go by. Where is this girl, right? I, uh, I call up to her dorm room. There's no answer. Uh, Fifteen minutes go by. Twenty minutes go by. She stood me up, right? right? She, she never comes back down. And, uh, you know, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, it's, now it's time for me to go to work, right? And so I'm going to work. I'm going to work hungry because we didn't go eat. And uh, my girlfriend stood me up, right? So I'm like, I'm in a mood, right? <laughs> and uh, and uh, I've called her several times. She's not answering. Uh, and so she finds me later. Um, and I guess she'd gone up to her room and again, was so tired, so absolutely exhausted that she had uh, sat down on the bed for what she thought was just going to be for a second. Just sit down just for a second. Uh, and then that's the last thing she remembered until she woke up like hours later um, that, that she passed out and like took a nap. Uh, and she, she woke up later. She felt real bad. Um, we all feel that way sometimes, right? Yeah, I don't, I, I forgave her, right? We made it work, right? It wasn't, it wasn't an uh, insurmountable problem for us. We, fi- we figured out a way to make it work. Um, Jack and I have been married uh, for 14 years. Um, and, and uh, yeah, so, so it, it, you guys can get through your difficulties as well. That's my encouragement. Um, but we've all, we've all had that sometimes, right, where we are so tired that if we are still for a second, we're out, right? We're just going to pass out. We've all been that tired. Uh, we've all been, uh, had times where we are so exhausted we just feel like we're going to drop. Um, and, and there's a reason for that, right? Our bodies... Uh, as human beings, we are not designed to just go, go, go 24-7 without rest, 
right? We're not made to just, just go all the time uh, without any breaks, without any resting. Eventually, uh, you're going to get tired. Eventually, your body's going to make you rest, right? Eventually, you're going to just pass out somewhere, or eventually, you're going to get sick. You know, that's another way your body's like, you need to get in the bed, right? So if you're not going to do it, I'm going to make you do it. Uh, you know, something, something will wear out, something will break. Uh, I mean, our bodies are not made to just go, 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 go. We can't. We can't. We need rest. That's how we were designed, uh, that, that we, we function best if we have regular times of rest. Um, if any of you guys are familiar with Stephen Covey's book, he wrote a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Have you guys ever heard of this book? Uh, some of you guys have read it. Um, helpful stuff, just how to be, how to be effective in life. Uh, one of uh, Covey's habits, though, it's the last one, is called Sharpen the Saw. Sharpen the Saw. And the basic idea of that is that, just like we said, your body needs times of rest. So sharpen a saw, the analogy is like of a lumberjack. So picture, man, you're a lumberjack out there in the woods, and you've got to fell these big trees. Uh, and, and if you're just using the same saw over and over again, uh, over time, that saw is going to become dull. And if you don't take time to sharpen that saw, your efficiency is going to go way down as it gets dull, right? That even though it may seem counterintuitive to stop cutting down trees and take a few hours and sharpen that saw, you're going to get so more chopped down than if you just try to keep going with a dull saw. Does that make sense? And so Stephen says, man, our, our human bodies are the same way. Uh, if we just keep going, 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 we think, oh, I'm getting more work done. I'm getting more classwork done. I'm, getting, I'm being more efficient. But actually, you start being less efficient because our bodies weren't made to do that. We need rest, right? Like sometimes, man, a good nap and you wake up and you're going to get a whole lot more done than if you just tried to power through and, and you're exhausted so you're making silly mistakes and you've got to go back and redo what you just did. You guys have been there, right? Um, we need rest. We need it. It's how we were made. It's how God designed us. Uh, our bodies need rest. Our minds need rest. And we cannot function well without it. So yeah, last week we kicked off this series talking about rest. We talked about how life has a way of wearing us down, right? That the I mean, class load, the, the, the workload, the family dynamics and drama and, and social interactions and just general stress and pressure and anxiety and depression, those things have a way of just wearing us out, uh, leaving us physically exhausted, emotionally weary, and spiritually empty. And it's relentless, right? Life is not going to stop. It's not going to take a break. You can't be like, life, can we just take one day off? I just need, I just need to sleep, and then we can get back on it. No, it just keeps going, going, going. Uh, and that's why it's so profoundly encouraging when Jesus offers us an invitation to come and find rest and peace in him. And so we talked about that invitation last week there in Matthew chapter 11. If you missed it last week, uh, all of Kyle's messages are available online. Uh, there, there's a podcast on Apple Podcast, uh, and then the link at uh, kylefamemphis.com. Uh, you can go back and listen to that. But we talked about the invitation uh, that Jesus extends to us, that he wants to take the burdens off our shoulders, the burdens of, again, the anxiety, the pressure, the stress. You know, the burdens of guilt and shame, whatever it is we're carrying, carrying around that's wearing us out, Jesus says, come to me with those burdens. Uh, I want to relieve those burdens. I want to give you uh, my yoke, put my yoke upon you, which is light, which is easy. I want to give you peace. I want to give you rest. And so we're going to continue the series over the next couple weeks by looking at how we experience the fullness of God's rest, the fullness of God's peace in every area of our lives. So our text last week was Matthew 11, and we're going to continue this week uh, looking at Matthew chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12, picking up right where we left off. Um, if, you, if you don't have your Bibles, the verses will be up there on the screen. But we're going to be in Matthew chapter 12, uh, starting in verse 1. Uh, Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Thank you. 
You know, so Jesus, in Matthew chapter 11, had just extended this invitation to his followers to find rest in him. And then Matthew follows that with a story that beautifully illustrates this concept of rest, right? So, so Matthew, under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, is writing his gospel, right? He's writing about the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, the miracles of Jesus. Uh, he writes about this invitation that Jesus extends. Uh, and then maybe the Holy Spirit reminds him, hey, hey, put this story in there. Because this beautifully illustrates this concept of rest uh, and all the ways that humans tend to get the idea of rest all wrong. Uh, so we're going to be uh, Matthew chapter 12. Um, we're we're going to look at this story, this episode in the life of Jesus and his followers uh, that, that shows us what God really wants our rest to look like and the ways that we uh, kind of misunderstand rest and we rest wrong, if that makes sense. Um, the people of Israel already had a concept of God's rest going all the way back to the Ten Commandments, right? God gave the Ten Commandments to his people after uh, leading them out of slavery and bondage in Egypt, and they're in the wilderness, and God gave the law to his people, and he said, hey, here's Ten Commandments uh, I want you to follow, and one of those commandments had to do with rest. It had to do with taking a Sabbath, taking times to rest. Uh, the, uh, the commandment was to observe a weekly Sabbath day. And it's uh, Exodus chapter 20, um, verse 8. And I believe, yeah, it's up there, perfect. Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. Uh, this, is, this is one of the Ten Commandments. This is the commandment regarding the Sabbath. Uh, God says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you are to labor and do all your work, but on the seventh day it's a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. So God goes into great lengths about how important it is that we take time to rest. Right? So of all of the Ten Commandments, this is the longest one as far as like the most words used to communicate the idea. Some of the, some of the commandments are very short. Do not murder, right? We got three words on that one. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Very straightforward. This is by far the longest one, right? The one for idolatry is also long, but it's not Sabbath long. Like God says, you guys... As, as human beings have trouble understanding this concept of rest. So he goes into great detail of what he expects that rest to look like. And he even provides in the command answers to all their excuses. So when you come to God and say, well, God, you don't understand. Someone's got to, you know, work the family store, right? Like, like who's, you know, who's going who's gonna to work the store if, if, if we, all, we all take a rest? That's not going to work. Uh, you know, I, I can't take a day off. He said, he said, no, you work six days and then on one day you rest. Well, if I don't work the store, then can I get my brother to at least work the store? No, not your brother, right? Not your son, not your daughter. You can't even put the dog at the counter, right? Not even your animals. Nobody works. Nobody works. You're going to take that day off. Uh, God says, no, you're going to take one day a week where you say no to work and yes to worship. Where you say no to work and yes to rest. Uh, and you're going to do this by slowing down, sitting down. And resting. And we object, you know, we want to say, but, 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 God, you, have you seen this to-do list? Right? Have you seen all these things i got to do? I've got to study for all these tests. I've got to do this paper. I've got to get ahead over here. I've got to do this over here. God, you don't understand. And this is what God, this is how God replies to that. He says, in six days, I created the entire universe. And then I rested. If the world didn't fall apart when I rested, your world's not going to fall apart when you rest. 
And then God drops the mic, right? That, that's, how the, that's how the commandment ends, right? Like, I made everything, and then, and then I rested. If it didn't all fall apart when I rested, it's not going to fall apart when you rest either. You have got to rest. You've got to rest. It's a commandment. It's, it's non-optional. And again, like we talked about, the way our bodies are designed, if we don't rest, we end up wearing out anyway. Like, we're going get, to gonna get sick. We're going to pass out. Some, something bad's going to happen. We make bad decisions. Like, if we choose to disobey this commandment, it's not, it's not good for us, right? It's not healthy for us. Um, so some of you may see this command to rest and think, okay, I've been working too hard. I do need to block out time to rest. God, I need to obey you better in this and figure out what rest looks like uh, in my life better um, and, and, and really trust you, God, that you're going to take care of me when I obey you and block out time to rest. Others of you uh, may need to look at this command and see the importance of working hard six days a week, right? Sometimes our culture tends towards the other extreme where we rest just fine. It's the working hard six days a week that's tough, right? Well, that's in the command too, right? To have a good work ethic. A good work ethic honors God. It pleases God, right? When someone looks at your life and they see that you work hard those six days, right? Man, he's a, he's a hard worker. He's, a, he's not lazy. She's not lazy, right? She's not, she's not just trying to, to kind of slide through life and not, not do any work, right? Just try, try to get by, right? She's a hard worker. He's a hard worker. Um, some, some of you guys need that encouragement to, to work hard six days a week, right? To get, to get the most out of uh, your, your time working, but then also to take that day of rest. It's not six days of rest and like one really hard day of work and you're like, oh, I'm done. I did my, I did my work for this week. I, did my, I worked for an hour. I'm good. Um, some of us do just fine with resting, but we're not necessarily resting in God, right? And so that's really what we're going to dive into uh, in our time tonight. Man, what does it look like to rest in the way God intended us to rest, in a way that reconnects us with Him. Um, we need to ask the Lord, yes, to strengthen our work ethic and help us not to be lazy. God, help us to really work hard, you know, to find six days and, and really, really work hard, but then also teach us what it means to rest. So God's very clear about how important it is to rest. And uh, His people took this command very seriously, right? So uh, they began to live their lives uh, in such a way that they, they built their lives and their schedules around the Sabbath day. Every part of the way their economy and their business function was built around a Sabbath where there's going to be no work done one day a week, right? For, for the Israelites, for, for the ancient Jews, that was Saturday, right? And they would do, they'd do no work on that day. And then everything was built around that. Um, but the way they began to live their lives kind of showed they really didn't understand God's purpose with the Sabbath. The Pharisees and the religious leaders began to twist the concept of Sabbath into being just another rule to follow, just another box to check to say, hey, I'm being a good believer. Hey, you know, I checked this box, so I'm righteous. I checked this box, so God's pleased with me. I checked this box, so I'm better than you, right? That's, that's really what it became. Uh, it became just another box to check, and they totally missed the whole point of resting in the Lord. And this is exactly what Jesus wants to address in the passage we're going to look at tonight. So again, continuing where we left off last week, starting in Matthew chapter 12, Starting with verse 1, let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 1. At about that time, Jesus was walking through some grain fields. When? On the Sabbath, right? Matthew tells us it's the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, right? Some of you guys might be hungry right now. Some of his disciples were hungry, and so they began breaking off the heads of grain to eat them. Some Pharisees saw them do that, and they protested, look, your disciples are breaking the law by harvesting grain on the Sabbath. 
Quick note about the Pharisees. If you guys don't know these characters, the Pharisees, um, the Pharisees were Jewish people, Israelites, um, man, very devoted to the Lord, very religious people. Um, but what we kind of see in the Gospels is that they were very uh, legalistic, rules-focused, right? Uh, that, that they were very careful to keep all the rules in the Bible, right? All the, all the laws. And then they were extra, right? So they'd add extra laws to it so they could be even better. Uh, but what you would see happen is a lot of times they'd look down their nose at other people. Say, I'm more holy than you because I, I keep all these laws and some more that I made up, right? And so, so the Pharisees would be very uh, legalistic. They would condemn other people. At the same time, they'd find loopholes. It's like, well, the law doesn't actually say this. And they'd figure out ways around. Um, and, and this is something man, that made Jesus furious. So, so you see Jesus come at odds with the Pharisees again and again and again uh, in the Gospels. You know, a big focus of his Sermon on the Mount uh, was addressing, hey, you guys are following these rules, but you're missing God's heart behind these laws. And he'd explain God's heart. Um, so the Pharisees also didn't like Jesus, like at all. They really didn't like this guy. Um, they, uh, you know, they, they, they didn't like his, his, his teachings. They didn't like what he was doing. Uh, and, and maybe they saw him as a threat, right? These super religious guys. And then we've got this other guy that's starting to get a following. Maybe he's starting to get some of our followers. And so maybe there's some jealousy there. Uh, or maybe he didn't like the way that Jesus would just straight up call them out for the hypocrisy. Uh, nobody likes being called a hypocrite. I don't, right? So, so maybe they didn't like him. Uh, but then as I'm reading it, sometimes it just seems like they just don't like him and don't even have a good reason, right? And so this story is a great example of that. And honestly, that's a little bit human nature, right? Like probably every single one of us have had that experience of not liking somebody, but not having like a real good reason why, you know? Like just seeing, I don't, man, I don't like them. Why? Why don't you like them? I don't know exactly, but I just don't like, like they, they rub me wrong. I can't, I can't put my finger on it. You guys know what I'm talking about. You don't have to point fingers or raise your hand, but sometimes we just, we just don't like somebody, but then what human nature is, like we, we've found this person that we don't like, then anything they do wrong, that's it. That's why I don't like them. You already didn't like them. Like, don't act like it's because of this thing that you somehow retroactively know. And so that's when I see the Pharisees. That's what I see them doing. Like, they did not like Jesus. So whenever Jesus did anything, they'd be like, got you, got you. That's what you did. That's, that's, that's why we don't like you. Um, that's what we see them do here. Aha, Jesus, man, you and your boys, man, you broke the Sabbath. You did work on the Sabbath, right? We saw you pick the heads of grain in that field you were walking through, and we saw you munching on those, right? Popping them like crackers or something, you know, munching on those, those heads of wheat. We saw you do that, and, and what get here too, uh, what that they had done wrong in the Pharisees' eyes was not that they'd taken the grain. That was actually legal to do. Um, different from 2019 United States, right? We could not just wander onto a farm and say, hey, this looks like some good vegetables. This looks like some good fruit. Um, now the farmer would probably get a shotgun or, or stick the dogs after us, right? But ancient Israel, this was legal to do. And I think it's a great law um, that, that part of the law was that, that people passing through, uh, poor people, needy people, homeless people were allowed as they passed by, by a farm to get enough to eat, to fill their stomach, right? Man, what a great law. That would probably be a useful law today, right? Um, so they didn't break the law by eating these, this grain. That was legal. That was allowed. The Pharisees said, y'all broke the law because it's the Sabbath, and you did hard work of the Sabbath. And like, 
you know, so th this is where we get into like, they added rules to the rules. Like, is it really hard work to like pick some food and eat it? Um, but, but in their definition of work, it was like, no, no work at all. Like, you can't do anything. Like, you just need to sit there in the chair, right, and, and, and do, do no work at all on the Sabbath, even picking grain. So they said, aha, Jesus, that's why we don't like you. Look at you. Your disciples are breaking the law, harvesting grain on the Sabbath. Verse 3, Jesus said to them, haven't you read in the Scriptures what David did when he and his companions were hungry? He went into the house of God. And he, is, he and his companions broke the law by eating the sacred loaves of bread that only the priests were allowed to eat. And haven't you read in the law of Moses that the priests on duty in the temple may work on the Sabbath? I tell you, there's one who is even greater than the temple. Here is one who is even greater than the temple. But you would not have condemned my innocent disciples if you knew the meaning of Scripture. I want to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For the Son of Man is Lord, even over the Sabbath. He says, Pharisees, y'all do not get it at all. Like, you really, you think you get it, right? Because you're so, like, obsessed with this law of the Sabbath. But you've totally missed the point of it. Like, you've totally missed the point of it. And if you guys really understood the point of it, you would not be coming after me and my disciples in this way. Right? And so he tells them some Old Testament stories. Hey, you remember that time that David was with, with his followers? Um, you know, when David, uh, you guys may be familiar with David. David, uh, shepherd boy who uh, fought a giant and killed him, right? And then became like this mighty warrior hero uh, and, and got a huge following from the people because they liked this handsome mighty warrior hero uh, and they wanted to make him the new king. The current king, Saul, was really jealous and he wanted to have David killed. Uh, so David was on the run, right? He's on the run in the countryside, uh, on the run for his life. You know, he, he's got some followers, but he's got to be careful because the king wants to kill him. Uh, and so one of these times, he and his crew are hungry and so they go, they go there to uh, uh, the Lord's house, right? Because like, they got some food there, right? So we're going to go and get something to eat. Um, and, uh, and he goes and he gets something to eat. Uh, also, he he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a weapon. This is not at all related to this, but I thought it was something fun and interesting. He doesn't have a weapon, right? So he tells, he, he tells the, the priest, hey, is there, is there like a spear or something that I can have? And it's like, well, actually, in the back, we still have the sword from that giant you killed, Goliath. He's like, I'll take that, right? That's perfect. There's not another sword like that in the whole world. I'll take that. So this is uh, 1 Samuel 21. I want you guys, next time you're reading the Old Testament... Every time you read about David after 1 Samuel 21, when he's in a big battle, uh, when he's you know, fighting against this army or that army after, he, after 1 Samuel 21, he's got a big old giant sword like some kind of anime hero, right? So anyway, just something interesting. But David didn't break the law, right? That, that God understood that, that hey, so, sometimes, uh, you know, we, if I need to eat, right, and, and maybe it's not particularly lawful for me to go and eat this, it's still okay, uh, that obviously priests have to work uh, on the Sabbath day because they've got to, to minister before the Lord and offer sacrifices. Uh, putting that in modern context, you know, church is not particularly restful if you're the pastor or the, or the worship leader or you're teaching Sunday school, right? That, that, that doesn't make the best off day, rest day for you when you're you know, leading worship at church, right? That, 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 that's not really your off day. Um, but, but it's also, it's not, it's not unlawful for you, for you to do that work because you're ministering to the Lord, you're helping people. Um, so Jesus is saying, man, there's exceptions here. Like, be reasonable. Like, like God, God's the one that created this law, and he created it for your good, so you need to be reasonable about the exceptions to it. Um, he said, if you really understood God's heart with this law, you wouldn't have condemned my innocent disciples. You would have understood God's heart is about mercy. And I desire mercy. Uh, and he says, 
that the Son of Lord is Lord even over the Sabbath. Um, again, we talked last week about Jesus identifying as the Son of God. This is another reason the Pharisees don't like him because they feel like that's blasphemy. You've got this man that's equating himself, saying he's equal with God, uh-uh, right? And, and it'd be one thing for Jesus just to say that, but then he proved it by demonstrating these miracles over and over again, and of course, raising from the dead. That's why we still believe uh, today. But he says the Son of Man, which was kind of like a nickname he had for himself, the Son of Man, the Son of God, uh, is Lord over the Sabbath. Basically saying this, I can't break the Sabbath, right? I'm Lord of the Sabbath, right? Or put it another way, when Jesus says, come to me and find rest, Jesus says, I can't break the Sabbath. I am the Sabbath. I'm the Sabbath personified. I'm the one that you can come to and find rest for your souls. Don't come at me that I'm breaking the Sabbath, right? I am the Sabbath, right? I'm the one that can give you rest, like eternal rest, meaningful rest. Um, he puts them in their place, right? He, he, he shuts them down. Uh, well, they, they still keep coming, but he shuts them down in the moment. Um, <laughs> Verse 9, uh, Matthew continues, Then Jesus went over to their synagogue, where he noticed a man with a deformed hand. Right, the Pharisees, I guess, tagged along. They said, okay, what's this guy going to do next? The Pharisees asked Jesus, Does the law permit a person to work by healing on the Sabbath? Right? They'd known Jesus was a miracle worker. He'd been healing the sick. Uh, and they say, hey, you know, is it lawful for a person to heal on the Sabbath? And, and the, the note there is, they hoped he would say yes, so they could bring those charges against him and say, hey, you did hard work by working this he healing miracle. Verse 11, and he answered, this is Jesus answering uh, with some real common sense wisdom. He says, if you had a sheep that fell into a well on the Sabbath, wouldn't you work to pull him out? Of course you would. How much more valuable is a person than a sheep? Yes, the law permits a person to do good on the Sabbath. Then he said to the man, hold out your hand. So the man held out his hand, and it was restored just like the other one. Pharisees didn't like this. It says, then the Pharisees called a meeting and plotted how to kill Jesus. They're like, man, we're tired of getting... <laughs> stay upstage by this guy. Um, but Jesus, man, has some good common sense wisdom here. Like, if you're, you guys have pets, if you, pets at home, dog, if your dog, man, falls into, and falls into like a ditch, and they're trapped, they're stuck, uh, but it's the Sabbath, it's your off day. Do you just leave them in there till, till tomorrow, right? No. <laughs> Honestly, yes. I was not a big fan of dogs. Um, yeah, if you're, or, or if your child, right, your, your child is stuck in a well. Sorry, Thomas. I'll come back for you tomorrow. It's, it's my off day. I can't do any work today. Jesus says, have some common sense, right? God gave you this law to rest, but it's because your body needs rest. It's for your good. It's not so you can make stupid rules for yourself, right? He says, man, if... Is it lawful to do good on the Sabbath? Of course it is. We should do good to each other, even if it's our off day, even if it's our rest day. Maybe it's your off day from work, but your neighbor really needs help, right? Your neighbor's in a bad situation. Maybe their car broke down, having some kind of emergency, some kind of bad situation. You can be a help to your neighbor, but it's your off day. Shouldn't you still do good on the Sabbath, right? Right? If you can, if you can help someone, if you can love someone, Maybe you've got, you've got a, a friend, a classmate that's not a believer and, and they, they've seen your life and they're curious about God and they come and they're at, wanting to ask you questions about Jesus. Like, hey, how do I become a Christian? Like Shelby's not going to be like, it's my off day. You're going to have to come back tomorrow. <laughs> do you want to talk about him coming? No, no, man. You're going to love on them. You're going to share Jesus with them. Um, when uh, Mark uh, records the same story in his gospel, uh, he has this in verse uh, 27. Mark chapter 2, verse 27. 
Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not the other way around. Not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Your translation might say say it really simply, Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Right? Right? So God God created human beings and he said, hey, I'm going to give you guys this kind of guideline, this rule to follow because it's going to be for your good. It's not like God created the rule and then he's going to shove humans into this like restrictive cage. You see what I'm saying? That's what Jesus is saying here. The Sabbath is made for y'all. Y'all aren't made for the Sabbath. Um, Jesus is saying that the Pharisees here don't understand the meaning and purpose of Sabbath, which was created for our good, right? Not to be a restriction to us, not to be binding to us, not to be oppressive. God commands us to rest because he knows that we need it, because he loves us. Not to be oppressive. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 24, puts it this way. And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes. Why? For our good always. Right? Deuteronomy, man, we've got long lists of God's laws and his rules for his people. But, but here in chapter 6, we see his heart behind it. God's given all these rules. Why? For our good. Because he loves us. Right, Jackie and I are parents. Uh, we, we, we have three kids, and there are rules in our house, right? There are certain things that, that our son, that our daughters uh, can and cannot do. Um, but those rules are not because I'm mean or I'm a bully, right? Those rules are for my kids' good, to keep them healthy, to keep them alive, right? You know, they, they have rules they can't jump off the roof. They can't, they can't play in the street. They can't punch each other, hit each other without repercussions, right? Uh, and those rules are to keep them safe, to keep them good. Not because I'm mean and trying to exterminate fun. Same as if you go to the lifeguard or go, go, go swimming and the lifeguard's got rules posted. Like, do not run. Do not dive in the shallow end. Is that because the lifeguard's real mean? No, that's to keep you alive, right? So you don't slip and bust your head open. God's saying, my laws are the same way. You may, you may look at the Bible and say, Man, that's a lot of rules. Okay, but understand God's heart, like the lifeguard, like a good dad, a good mom. Those rules are there for your good. Maybe we don't understand them all. And that's okay. And we don't understand, well, why is this, how's this one for my good? I don't see it. That's okay. Same as my kids don't understand every rule that I've got for them. They don't have to understand it, but they, I want them to know my heart. It's because I love them, right? It's for their good. Um, God says it's the same way. The, the, the rules I've given you are for your good, and that includes the rule of the Sabbath. Again, it's not a restrictive box to put you in. Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath, right? I've given you this command because you need rest and because I love you. I want you to experience rest and peace, Uh, not just to be another rule that you feel like you got to keep so you can be a good Christian. Are you guys hearing me? God's commands are always for our good. Always. He says, here's a better way to live. I created you and I know what's best for you. I love you. That's why I give you these rules for your good. So, the Pharisees had gotten the Sabbath all wrong. And sometimes we get the idea of resting in God all wrong. Um, and what did they get wrong about the Sabbath? I mean, they just saw it as just another rule to prove how righteous they were, to prove they were better than others, to say, hey, I'm better than this guy because I'm following more rules than he is, so God's more impressed with me. Uh, Jesus said, that's not what impresses God, right? That's not what makes God proud. Um, they, got, they got the Sabbath wrong. And sometimes we get the idea of resting wrong too. Sometimes we think resting means just, just do nothing at all. Right? And we talked about the ideal off day. And I like that too. When there's just nothing on the schedule at all. Like when, when you know, Jackie and I's schedule is so full. When we pull up a day on the calendar and there's just nothing. Hallelujah. Right? That's so good. Just nothing. I mean, there's always chores. There's always laundry to fold. That's just life. Uh, but, but, but to have nothing. Um, but if that's all our rest is, 
we're missing on a major component. Yes, our bodies may get rest. Yes, we may get a little mental and emotional rest. But if in our rest we're not reconnecting with God, we're missing the most important component, which is the spiritual component of rest. And you know, that's what the Pharisees were getting wrong, and I think that's what we get wrong too, is that when we think about our off day, are we thinking about giving rest to our souls? Spiritual rest is going to help us reconnect with God. So that's what they got wrong. I got two points about what is the meaning of Sabbath. Meaning of Sabbath for them, but then also for us too. In the New Covenant, you know, in 2019, man, what does the Sabbath mean for us? So I got two big takeaways. The first one's this. Work is important, right? It is important to have a good work ethic. The work we do is important, but our identity cannot be derived from that work. Work is important. What you do is important, but our identity uh, cannot be derived from that work. So our work is important, but it is not our identity. Um, and Sabbath helps us to remind us of that. Uh, our identity comes from who we are in relation to God, uh, not what we do, right? You are not what you do. You are not your job, right? Your, your, your primary identity comes from how you relate to the Father, right? As God's son, as God's daughter, you know, in, in relationship with Jesus, in relationship with God, that's, that's where our identity comes from, uh, not our work. And so and the ways that we get this wrong is we, we, we do work and, and we have feelings attached to our work, to our careers, to the things that we do. Um, but if we start to tie our identity to the work, man, that can be soul crushing. Because like when we're successful, we feel really good, right? That makes us feel good. Oh, we're having a lot of success at work. Things are going great at work. What happens when you don't have success at work, right? You start to take it personally uh, and it can crush you, right? And when our identity is tied up in our work, and our performance, uh, that can be spiritually devastating for us, right? Um, if my identity is all tied up in my job, let's say I aspired to be a, an investment banker, right? And, and, and I want to be really successful. And you know, what happens the day I get laid off, right? If my identity was all about just pursuing that one job and if I got to have this one job, right? Um, and what if something happens and I can't do that job anymore? You guys seen the Marvel movie Doctor Strange? Yeah. Right? So he was, uh, he was a, a brilliant surgeon. He had, his hands were amazing. He could fix anybody. Uh, he, he's dumb and was texting while he was driving, and he has a car accident. His hands get messed up. What can he do now? Right? And you see him go through an identity crisis. He goes on to be like a wizard superhero, but that's because uh, that's it's fiction. Uh, but he, he goes through a major identity crisis when he can't do that work anymore because his identity was absolutely tied to that job as a surgeon. Right? And so something that Sabbath teaches us is you are not your work, right? Your work is important. Your work is valuable. But your identity can't come from your work. Your identity has to come from God. Your identity has to come from Jesus and how you relate to God. And Sabbath, the spiritual part of it where we take time to reconnect with God, reinforces this is who I am. Right? I'm not just this job I do six days a week right, that's wearing me out. I'm not just a student right, who, who studies and do, does all-nighters and writes papers and t- takes quizzes and does the math lab. That's not, that's not who I am. That's what I do. But who I am, you know, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God because of what Jesus did. Um, so Sabbath rest isn't primarily about taking naps. Even though I love naps, it's not primarily about taking off of work, even though that's part of it. Sabbath rest is primarily about using that time to rest and reconnect with God and remind ourselves of who we are in Christ. So that's the first one. Uh, work is important, but we can't get our identity from our work, and Sabbath reminds us of that. The second thing is this. Sabbath reveals our faith in God and how much we trust that He's in control of our lives. We talked about this a little bit earlier. You know, it shows that we're going to trust Him, that everything's not going to fall apart if we take time to rest. Right? God says, if I created the whole universe, 
and then I took time to rest and things didn't fall apart. And if you take time to rest, your world's not going to fall apart. And some of us have so many different plates spinning and things going at once. It's like, Matt, I can't stop for a second or everything's going to fall apart, right? Every, everything, everything, I'm just going to be a mess. My life's going to go off the train track. It's going to be a disaster. Sabbath rest reveals that we trust that ultimately God's in control. And I can take some time to rest and my Heavenly Father's got me, right? He's going to take care of me. He's going to make sure uh, that I have what I need. Everything's not going to fall apart. It shows that we trust God. It shows that our security in life is not based on our performance and our work and our efforts, uh, but we trust that ultimately God's in control of our life. So we can take time to rest and everything's going to be okay, right? We can block out that time to rest physically, rest emotionally, rest spiritually, reconnect with the Lord, uh, and life's not going to fall apart because he's still in control. You guys hear me? This kind of faith is a faith that rests in God instead of our own efforts. And that's exactly what Jesus is offering us with the gospel, right? The good news of Jesus is we don't have to work uh, to prove ourselves to God. We don't have to to check a list of rules for God to accept us uh, into his family. Um, Again, the rules are important and the rules are for our good, but it's not the rules that please God. It's not the rules that make us acceptable to God. Uh, And so, so... Part, part of this Sabbath rest idea is, is resting from those efforts, resting from working hard, feeling like I've got to prove myself to God or I've got to earn uh, my, my place and have favor with God. Um, instead, just resting in what Jesus has already done. And guys, Jesus has already done it all. He's already done it all. Uh, I'm not perfect, right? I'll be the first to admit. Uh, I'm not perfect. I mess up again and again and again. And it's frustrating and it's annoying and, and you get mad at yourself. Um, there's only one person that's ever lived like a perfect life start to finish, and that's Jesus. He, he lived the life that I should be living but can't, right, because of my human nature. He, you know, he lived that perfect life, and then he died a death because eventually the Pharisees had enough, and they conspired to have him arrested and publicly executed. Man, he, he died the death that I deserve to die. I'm the one that did wrong. I'm the one that sinned. It should have been me on the cross, right? But Jesus, who never did anything wrong, man, he, he died the death that, that we deserved, in our place, so the punishment we deserve for everything we've done wrong. And all the times we've been prideful, all the times we've been selfish, all the times we've done things that hurt other people, hurt ourselves, and what the Bible calls sin, all the times we've done things that offend uh, God, things that are wicked, things that are evil. And God took all the punishment that we deserve as humanity for that, and he laid it on Jesus instead. And Jesus, Jesus took that punishment for us so God could, could extend us mercy and grace and forgiveness instead. As we read earlier in Matthew 12, Jesus says you've got to understand God's heart. God desires mercy, right? And so when you see Jesus on the cross, you think about Jesus on the cross, that's God's mercy. That's Jesus taking the wrath of God that we deserve on himself so God can extend us grace, mercy, so everything you've done wrong can be completely forgiven and you can be adopted into the family of God as a son, as a daughter, with a clean heart, with a fresh start. Uh, When this life on earth is over, you can be forever in God's presence. That's the good news of the gospel. Not our work, not what we can do to prove ourselves to God, but what Jesus already did and just resting in that. Resting in that, trusting in that. So what does this mean for us, right? What does it mean for us? Matt, what's it mean for my schedule? Uh, I don't have any off days, right? Like, yeah, I can show you my schedule. It's like school, 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 work, work, work. Uh, there's no off days in there, right? What do I do? Well, you've got to figure out what that looks like. That's between you and the Lord. Figure out where can I block out time to rest? Because you do need it, and you can't just keep going. That's not an option either. You're going to burn out. You're going to pass out, you're going to burn out, you're going to get sick, you're going to do something stupid, right? Uh, not, not resting is not an option. Um, 
Maybe it's not a whole day that you can block out in this season, uh, but do block out that time because you've got to have it. You've got to have the time where you rest physically, right? Rest mentally, emotionally. And in that rest, don't just take 80 naps, but reconnect with God and spend some time in worship, spend some time in prayer because the spiritual component is the part that they were missing. And Jesus said, that's the part that's most important. You know, in that rest, man, spend some time in the Lord's presence. I tell you, nothing's going to be more refreshing than that. You can take 80 naps. You can nap for 10 hours. Uh, but, man, just spending 45 minutes, an hour in God's presence, worshiping and prayer, you're going to get peace from God like no number of naps will ever give you. You guys hear me? Uh, the, the, the spiritual component, we can't miss it. Uh, and you've got to look at your own schedule and figure out what that looks like. Where can I block out that time? A uh, significant amount of time. Not like, oh, I've got 20 minutes here. This is my Sabbath. No, it's a significant chunk of time that you can block out uh, and spend with the Lord. Remember, and again, that man's made... Uh, the Sabbath is made for man. That, that, that rules for, for your good. Uh, it's going to make you more uh, healthy physically and, and spiritually. Um, does it matter when we take this time of rest? Does it matter what day that we rest? Um, I feel like in the New Covenant under Christ, it doesn't so matter, matter so much which day. Uh, the ancient Israelites would all observe it on the same day, right? Saturday. Uh, you know, years later, the, the Christian church started observing um, in their time that they would come together on Sunday because that was the day Jesus rose from the dead, right? They called it the Lord's Day. They'd come together and worship together that day, and they, they would rest that day. Um, but, but we don't want to get legalistic and become like the Pharisees about uh, what day we keep the Sabbath, what keeping the Sabbath means for us, um, overemphasizing the kind of which day and when and underemphasizing uh, and the important spiritual components. Um, so it doesn't matter what day we do it, no. Uh, you know, Paul has some wise advice in Colossians. I don't think the verse is up there, but he says, don't let anyone judge you um, about when you observe religious festivals or celebrate a Sabbath day, for these things are just shadows um, of things that were to come, and the reality is found in Christ. Uh, so short, short answer, no. Uh, I mean, I don't think it necessarily matters if your Sabbath day is a Monday, a Tuesday, a Wednesday, right? But, but you do need to block out that time to spend with the Lord. Um, what does it reveal to our neighbors when they see us rest, right? When they see us work hard six days, so they know we're not lazy, right? But then they see us take time. No, I'm just going to rest today. Wait, don't you have that big paper due next week? Yeah, and I worked on it pretty hard this week, but today I'm going to rest because I need it and I want to reconnect with the Lord. And man, what does that show your neighbor that, that you trust God, right? That you trust God's in control. Man, how come you're not freaking out about this class? Everyone else is freaking out. How do you have this peace of mind, right? What do you have that I don't have, right? That's the kind of question you want to get as a Christian. What do you have that I don't have? Oh, let me tell you. Let me tell you about Jesus. Let me tell you about the rest and the peace that I've found in Jesus so I don't have to freak out and panic over every paper, over every test. You guys hear me? Um, and that's what God wants you to experience. Uh, that's what God wants us to be the takeaway, understanding his purpose with rest and with Sabbath. Um, and when I look at the story of Jesus with his own disciples, uh, and, and I, I see, I see and Jesus teaching his disciples just to enjoy God's presence um, and, and not be so hung up on rules, but, but, but instead learning to just love being with the Lord, just love being with God. Uh, and I feel like, man, if we get to that place where we just love to be with God, it's not going to be a chore to block out time to spend with the Lord. It's going to be our favorite thing, right? And of course we're going to block out time to spend with Jesus, to spend in the Bible, to spend in prayer, to spend in worship, because we love Him. We want to do it, right? Um, so I'd love to pray with you guys. Um, 
of course, would love to pray. If you've never put your trust in Jesus uh, to be your Savior, if you've never asked God to forgive you of your sins and make you right with God, uh, man, I'd love, love, love if you have a chance to pray that tonight um, and experience that freedom, experience the lifting of, of that, that burden, experience that ultimate spiritual rest that God wants to give you. Uh, if you're here tonight and man, I just need help figuring out when to take more times to rest because I know that I need it. I'm exhausted, and I just need God's help figuring out what that looks like in my life. I'd like to pray uh, for that as well. Would you guys bow your heads? I'm just come to the Lord together. God, thank you that you are merciful to us, God. God, that you're not trying to, to wedge us into a box that's going to be restrictive for us, God, but your rules are for our good. God, help us to understand your heart. Uh, behind these things. In particular, God, as we're studying rest, your heart about rest. God, if there's anyone here tonight um, and that doesn't have that, that, that spiritual rest of trusting uh, in you and knowing their sins are forgiven and knowing they're right with God and have a relationship with God, um, if you're here tonight and you say, man, I, I want to put my trust in Jesus that way. Uh, I want to know God that way. Again, everyone's eyes are closed just so you can kind of, your neighbor can have privacy with the Lord. If that's you, would you raise your hand so I can pray with you? Say, man, I want to put my trust in Jesus. I want to know God. Thank you. I see that hand. Is anybody else? Two hands? Yeah. Let me pray with you. Just, just repeat, this, uh, repeat this in your heart. Um, God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to do for me what I couldn't do for myself. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross in my place. I believe you're the son of God. I believe that you died on the cross. And I also believe that you rose from the dead. God, would you please forgive me of my sins? Adopt me into the family of God. Fill me with your Holy Spirit and help me to live for you. In Jesus' name. And those you know, two or three of you that prayed that prayer, um, and God, God's worked a miracle. He's made you a new creation. Your sins are forgiven. The, the, the guilt and shame that you, that you once carried, you carry no longer. Uh, you're brand new in Christ. And, and, and you're starting a brand new journey, uh, walking with Jesus and experiencing his peace. And, and if that's you, that, that you pray that prayer in your heart, I encourage you to find someone to, to talk to about that. Find someone to tell, say, hey, I put my trust in Jesus tonight. I want to start trying to follow God. Uh, and would you help me to do that? Um, and so they can encourage you and pray with you. God, for the rest of us, God, each and every one in here has a busy schedule, has a full plate, God, uh, with class, with work, with assignments, with, with, with family issues and, and relationships, God. Um, and in that busy schedule, God, would you help each of us, God, to value spending time with you, block out time to rest and reconnect with you, God, um, and experience uh, the, the rest that you have for us, God. God, I don't want, I don't want to see any one of these students, God, burnt out, uh, uh, exhausted, God, their life derailed because they try to take on too much, God. I pray that each and every one of them would experience the rest, God, that you have for them, God. They would learn, God, to make that a regular part of their schedule, God, so their lives would be sustainable. Um, and, and God, and in that rest, it wouldn't just be an off day. It wouldn't just be a nap day, God, but they would really re make, make a point to connect with you spiritually uh, in their times of rest, God, and experience the refreshing of their souls that only you can give, God. We love you, Lord. We trust you with all these things. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, guys. So a note about next week. Next week, we are not in here. Um, they have us upstairs in the Senate chamber. So if you guys have never been to the Senate chamber, it's on the second floor. Uh, on this kind of right side there. 
I'll send out reminder texts, uh, emails. If you do not get texts or emails from CAFA, uh, let me know so we can sign you up and you can get those. So next week, uh, Thursday, 7 o'clock, we're not in this room. We're upstairs in the Senate chamber. Uh, and we'll continue uh, with the next part of this, talking about the rest, what God wants to give for some of our mental health stuff, anxiety, stress, depression, right? How we can experience the fullness of God's peace and rest in those areas. Amen. Uh, love you guys. Hope you have a great week.